0: This is an important day in the life of our diocese for two reasons. Firstly, and primarily, we gather to mark the retirement of Bishop Kieran, who has served as Bishop of these United Dioceses since January 2015. As we assemble in this holy place, we do so with gratitude for Bishop Kieran's time with us, and we also give thanks for his ministry to the Church of God over the last 40 years. Secondly, this is the last diocesan service for the United Diocese of Limerick and Killaloo. At midnight, we shall amalgamate with the Diocese of Toome, Killala, and O'Connery, thereby becoming the United Diocese of Toome, Limerick, and Killaloo. An historic occasion, indeed. I invite you, therefore, during this service to pray for Bishop Kieran, for his wife Jennifer and their family, and also for the next chapter in the life of these dioceses.
1: May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all our hearts be now and always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. A rector had decided to announce that he was retiring. He decided he'd tell the congregation on the, during the Sunday morning service, and he decided to do it during the... Announcements, the notices. After the service, he went to the west door and as the congregation were leaving, there was the usual good wishes, you know, wishing him well and all that sort of thing. As the church emptied, um, he went to pull over the west door closed and he looked out into the grounds of the church and there was one of the people who'd been at the service sitting on a bench in the churchyard, and she was very, very upset, floods of tears. So, good pastor that he was, he went over and asked her what was wrong. Oh, she said, "Rector, you're leaving. You're leaving. What'll happen us? It's a disaster. What'll happen us?" And he said, "Ah, oh, no, no, don't worry, don't worry." He said, "What'll happen is there'll be a board nomination. It'll take a little while. There'll be a board nomination." and they'll seek another person and eventually a new rector will be appointed and you'll get a very good rector who will look after the parish well. Ah, She said she can't believe them. She said, that's what they promised us the last time and look what happened. (laughs) It's just over seven years since I was elected bishop. And just under seven years ago, I knocked, on the great west door of this cathedral. As the door opened, if those of you who were there, you probably wondered to yourselves what on earth you were going to get. And while I don't remember my own feelings directly, I suppose there was an element of me wondering what I'd let myself in for. But then, of course, over the weeks and months that follow, as we got to know each other better, we began to shape our future together. I don't like to talk about vision in this sort of context because a vision tends to be something that you sit down and write and then it guides you for the next few years. I think a church and a diocese are much more organic and fluid than that. And planning for the future is much more ever-changing and fluid. But as I got to know this diocese over the last seven years, I discovered some very remarkable features of the diocese. Things that I wouldn't say are unique, but they're certainly very unusual. And things which you all should treasure. They are things that are not found everywhere, not found in every diocese. And i just mentioned three things. First of all, in this diocese, lay people do have very, very deep roots. And they are very deep roots that clergy don't have in the diocese. It's actually quite a remarkable feature the way in which it's lay people who carry the collective memory of the diocese lay people hold and shape this diocese in a way that's quite remarkable and that I haven't seen elsewhere. I'll share something with you. It's part of my job, it's a bit unenviable, to ask people to volunteer to do various things. But a very common answer I get, first of all is I don't think anyone has ever refused me Also, people often say, of course I will. Shall we all have to do our bit? Now, most of you probably do your bit for your parish. But doing your bit for the diocese is not all that common an attitude. But it is a feature of this diocese, the sense that as lay people, they have a responsibility to work for and contribute to the life of the diocese. As well as what they usually do for their own parish. And it's in that way that lay people provide the backbone and the structure for all that we do as a diocese. I've mentioned clergy and that's another feature of this diocese. It's a fact that almost all of you as clergy didn't grow up in this diocese. In fact, I presume you can guess, I can only think of one of our clergy who grew up in the diocese. And that's unusual because most clergy usually have some form of family or other attachment to the diocese. The clergy of this diocese are probably the most diverse group of clergy you will find in any Irish diocese. Just to look at the most obvious fact the nationality of our clergy. Irish from the Republic, others from Northern Ireland, from England, you probably have to identify the north of England as a separate country in this context. North of England, the United States, Canada, South Africa, Germany. And that's just a diversity of nationality and background. Add to that the extraordinary faith journeys that very many of our clergy have taken and how they would explain they end up ministering in a diocese in the south and southwest of Ireland. That diversity adds up to something really quite exceptional among clergy. And that diversity has its own implications. The most obvious thing among our clergy is that they do have a deep respect for each other and respect that each one, though they minister very differently because of their different experiences, they do it in a way that respects others and other clergy respect them. And that's why I'm certain that when we talk about ministry areas in this diocese, the diversity of the clergy, and add to that the wonderful group of diocesan lay readers and the network of parish readers that we have, all of that means that ministry will be even more effective as we seek to do it together. The third feature is to mention the fact that I'm delighted to see Bishop Rendon Leahy is here. And I'm delighted for two reasons. As a personal level, because as he and I both know, our lives have crisscrossed over the years through all sorts of conferences and ecumenical meetings and gatherings. But also his presence and the presence of other Catholic clergy Father Noel Hessian of the Augustinians, Father Henry O'Shea of Glenstall, and so on, and there are others. Their presence represents a new ecumenical reality which is true of this diocese. It's the way we are today as church. We now have to be profoundly ecumenical. Ecumenism is no longer Uh, reserved for special occasions or occasions like the week of prayer for Christian unity, important as they are. No, there is an easy local sharing in local parishes among clergy with their opposite numbers. There are friendships among clergy and meetings across the denominational divide. And that's only symbolized by the way in which Bishop Leahy and I can work together. Bishop Leahy can slip easily into this cathedral for any service and know that he will be given a seat in the sanctuary. If I go to St. John's Cathedral, I will know the other clergy and I will certainly be given a seat in the sanctuary. And there's that easy fluidity that he and I share that actually continues on into the life of our parishes and is part of the reality of the future. Cardinal Caspar, the great ecumenical theologian, described what's going on here as receptive ecumenism. It's not about creating new ecumenical structures or seeking special occasions when we meet together. Receptive ecumenism is simply receiving what other denominations have to offer and offering what we can to other denominations. Two very simple examples are the Good Friday Walk of Witness that Bishop Leahy took part, and myself took part in on Good Friday a couple of years ago together with our primate Archbishop Richard Clark. The other is the sharing of harvest festivals which now seems to be a feature of very many parishes around the diocese, sharing them with other denominations and welcoming and finding the participation of others to be an enhancing and a welcome development. There's a passage in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, which describes the church as being composed of very many elements in the same way that a body is composed of very different limbs and organs, and all of them come together to make a functioning body. And so the writer to the Corinthians says, just as the body is and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. So insofar as we have these different elements within our own diocese, different elements that are special, sometimes unique, but certainly special. And when they work together, then truly we are seeking to become the body of Christ in this area. In a few months' time, there will be another knock on the great west door. And a new bishop will stand there, with their own experiences and gifts, hopefully ready to share them with you all. That person will find in this diocese a very diverse body of people, lay and clergy. They will find remarkable ecumenical and community engagement. And above all, each element working together with confidence into the future seeking to become the body of Christ. That future will bring its own opportunities and challenges, including the most important one facing you, the union with Tum Diocese, which takes place shortly. So do please pray for all who are involved in the work of choosing the next bishop, Remember also in your prayers those who will be candidates in that election. And especially pray for the person who is elected to come here to serve you all. May God bless you all. Amen.